can hear you. Good. Awesome. Yeah, 20 minutes later. I'm all sweaty now. No, it's all good. Get uh. So I, going before I, know, I know, right? I need a, like a towel or something. Wait. <laughs> so my friend had told me that I told him what I was doing, and I, I asked people that I meet if they have any, especially with people I interview, if they have anyone they want to nominate, someone I can contact. Oh, yeah? See if they can. And randomly, he's like, hey, what are you doing tonight? I was like, nothing. He's like, come on, come hang out. Let's have some drinks. We hadn't talked in a while. I was like, yeah, cool. I haven't seen you. I'm breathing like heavy. Can you, can you hear it? No, you can't. No. no. <laughs> and he goes, oh, there's a couple of bands I want you to check out. You should check out. They're really fucking awesome. He goes, one of them is Party Girl. I don't know if you heard oh, of them. Oh, yeah. We just played a show with them. They're so good. <clears throat> really? So I uh, contacted her. She got back really fast, too. And she's like, hey, do you have like a, like a little like a place I can hear your podcast, see what it's like? And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll send you something. But I'm working right now. I can't. So I haven't gotten back yeah. to her yet so bad. And then he goes, the Zotards. I was like, wait, the Zotards? And I go, what? He goes, yeah, check them out. I was like, okay, sure. Let me try to find them. And then some stuff. Weird stuff came up, and then I found your Facebook link. Oh, okay. and then that slowly led to like everything else. It's like, wow, these these dudes are pretty cool. What's your friend's name? I'm curious if I know this. this uh, his name is uh, I was gonna say Jared, but that's your name. Uh, Justin. Justin. He works with um, Holy Wave. Oh wait, do you know his last name? <clears throat> I'm friends with the Holy Wave guy. Um, it's the, the the dude's brother. It's like their manager. Oh, okay, okay. Real tall, lanky guy. Okay, y'all dress kind of similar. Um, I, I'm friends with the Holy Wave crew. We kind of we both started our bands around the same time, so I'm sure uh, if I, I if it's Fuse, Fuse, it's like the last thing. Oh, Fuse, Joe, okay, Ryan's brother. Fuse, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, I don't know if I've met Ryan's brother, but I know all those guys. They're really good guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're pretty cool. So I checked them out. I checked y'all guys out, and I was like, these are some talented dudes. I need to get to know them. Yeah, so, Holy Wave's great. Yeah, I was really surprised you got a hold of me. I'm always waiting for people to just ignore me or say no. Oh like, no, I mean it's you know. It's it's all good. We're all doing our own thing in Austin, you know. Like you, you're getting your podcast going. Like there's just everyone's trying to create stuff. So I, I get it, you know. Thank you, by the way, for for coming today. Oh, uh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know you. You said you're like really busy now. Like things are a little hectic. Yeah, I was away for a week. What happened was my parents were so I sold their apartment. I had to get rid of everything from my childhood. So I like flew oh. there. Did you? Like, did you I cry? To, <laughs> it was really intense. It was really emotionally overwhelming, and I like went through all my stuff. And, like, all week, I was just – I had all this stuff, so I'd wake up and literally spend, like, 16 hours a day just going through shit. Dang. And, um, and just, like, from when I wake up to when I went to bed, you know, with a break here and there for, like, eating and stuff. And my parents were worried. They are like, you're not doing anything <laughs> except for going through stuff. I was like, I have to, like, figure out, like, what to, you know, what to throw out, what to give away to people, and what to keep and send back to Austin. It was, it was really hard. But so that, it was a very, like, emotionally taxing week. You're and like uh, then I got back. After the yeah, week, then yeah. I got back and um, – I just been getting ready for school. I start school tomorrow, so they, I got the, I got an email this morning. There was like the teacher just posted the syllabus, and there were a lot of readings for tomorrow. So it's like, oh no! So uh, all of a sudden, I'm like scrambling to get all the reading <laughs> done and stuff. But it's all good. And here I'm taking your time. You should it's be all reading. good. You know what though? It, this gave me a little to get out of the house for like an hour and just kind of get out of my head, and then <laughs> I'll go back right to it and start reading again. So what'd you keep? Oh man, you know some books were hard to get. Some books, some CDs, and some DVDs were hard to get rid of. And there was some sentimental stuff, too. There was, like, a lot of photographs were really hard. There were some random papers that, like, had some important stuff on it that I couldn't get rid of. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, mainly that. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty intense. I used to have this drawer full of just basically junk, basically, like, all my sentimental stuff. And when we moved, it got 
left behind in our last place. And so yeah, yeah, that made me really sad. But there's one thing that sticks out a lot is this like T-Rex looking watch I got from some kind of like McDonald's toy or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I and I to this day I still remember I was like, man, I wish I had that watch. I'd rock it right now. Yeah. You know? So how did like Zotar Zotar? Well, first of all, I was looking it up and I said I didn't even know what like a Zotar was. Like it was a well, it's like those fortune telling. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, oh, that's a machine. I wonder if it's because he was like alluding some referencing that machine for his for his name. And then I read you did. What yeah. was the purpose of that? Uh, my friend and I we were on a road trip. It's my best friend and myself. We were kind of and we were, we were kind of starting. We wanted to, we were jamming together and we were trying to think of a name for the project. And we stopped off in New Orleans. And we were at this store, and we're like, what should we call it? And there's, like, this Zoltar fortune-telling machine. Uh, supposed to tell your fortune, and we're like, we'll call it the Zoltars. <laughs> <laughs> it was that easy. So that was that. Yeah, yeah. So I also I also heard you you were you were doing a podcast with him. Um, I forget his name, um, but you probably remember who he is. He's, like, a singer, and he does a podcast out of his Oh, like, uh, How Did I Get Here or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's he's him. a really nice guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did podcasts a while ago. Yeah, that's I was cool. listening to that. And about a year I, ago, I think, maybe? Yeah, it wasn't too long ago. Yeah. Because y'all were talking about current movies, and I was like, that just came out. I was like, this is pretty recent. Yeah, yeah. And so he had men- you had mentioned you had did a like a like a seventh and ninth grade band. <laughs> I started. Oh to yeah, laugh. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, we had the, in seventh grade I was in this Nirvana cover band called Tyler's Bone, <laughs> and in ninth grade I was in this punk rock band called Your Mom. <laughs> How did you get? What kind of instruments were you using for those bands? It was like I, I played guitar. Uh, both of them had two guitars and a drummer. And it was basically the same people in both bands. How did y'all get gigs for whenever you were back then? Oh, man. Knock on the door. We played friends' house parties. (laughs) We played friends' parties, and then we played, like, school festivals and stuff. It was pretty ridiculous. Did you have, like, a a logo or, like, a brand, like, or any kind of cards you'd give out? No, but we did have some stuff that, like, some recordings we just recorded with, like, our computer microphone, like, live. And, like, this was, like, during, like, the Napster era. And, like, they... I think some people, it was like a Napster, and it, like you would search for it, and there'd be like these random people who had our, like these like really, like these ridiculous like recordings we did in ninth grade on Napster. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty hilarious. Do you have those on a cassette or something? Man, you know what? It's a big regret of mine to, to tell you that I only have one of those songs oh. from that era. There were like, we recorded five or six, and to this day, I wonder, I want to know what happened to the other five. I mean, it's not like they were stuff. I was artistically proud of more just for the sentimental <laughs> value. They were so ridiculous. Could add it for like a special, like, like addition to one of your albums and you go oh, yeah you get no i'm free. too embarrassed <laughs> to show it to anyone but it's like one of those things like it has a lot of those recordings have a lot of sentimental value actually when i was going through all my stuff one of the things i didn't throw away i found a songwriting book my friend and i we used to go to the the piano there was like a, the music practice room during lunch every day during lunch and recess and we just like write songs together there for like months what kind of songs do like priests like intermediate What's People, up? What kind of songs do you write at that age? What are you talking about? Like oh man, just peanut like butter jelly super sandwiches, punk, <laughs> super cheesy punk songs, like ridiculous punk songs. Give me a lyric out of the, out of one of those songs. Oh man, it's so embarrassing. Okay, here's one. The one was called like, I think the first song we I wrote in ninth grade because seventh grade was just cover songs, Nirvana cover songs. The first song I wrote it was called Divided We Stand, <laughs> and it was like. Divided we stand, divided we fall. It's all about it's all about us. I know we can do it. It's like super ridiculous. It was so fun though. It sounds like a cartoon song. Totally. I mean, it was. I mean, our band name was called Your Mom, and then you know, I mean, we had these like ridiculous punk songs and 
it was it was it was fun you know it was a very uh it was kind of like one of those monumental sort of like in high school i had a lot of memories and i, I honestly i learned a lot from the experience of like you know being in a band you start you learn certain dynamics and stuff and it was you know like it was really interesting um yeah and i had like so you stopped after that what like what made you stop Oh, <laughs> there was some, there was some drama. There was actually some drama. The the uh, I mean, I'm I, I we were friends a few months later, but uh, oh man, it's such it's such an epic story. I don't know. It's just basically um, nutshell version. Give give us a nutshell. Uh, well, what happened was oh man, <laughs> man, this is this is this is like wait. I mean this. I mean like this was oh my god. This this must have been like. This was 15 years ago, so this is crazy. Think about this. I mean, it was more than half my life ago. Um, I think what happened, there were three of us in the band, and um, so it was interesting. At first, it was me and this guy who played drums, and we, we just, like, jammed, and it was a lot of fun. And then uh, – oh, man, it's just such an <laughs> epic story. It's, like, it basically – it's just, like, you know, we were ninth grade. We are little punks who, like, you know, so everyone – you know, the one guy that the, it ended up like the one drummer got a little uh, the guy who he got like, oh, man, it's, it's all so silly, like talking about it because it's so like petty now. But it's just like, you know, like, you know, it's just like we and the one guy quit and this and that. And so it's just like it's just like everyone went their own direction. <laughs> everyone went their own direction. PH one behind the music <laughs> of your mom. Yeah, no, we all went our own direction. We all kind of wanted to do our own stuff, and different people wanted to work with different stuff. And I mean, it it, it was like awkward for like a month or two, and then it was just like, we're, it would be we're like we're, it's, it would be too silly to like hurt a friendship just because of something like this. But it was an important lesson to sort of like, you know, like group dynamics and stuff. You know, so it. I mean, even though I'm not proud of those songs, <laughs> I cherish those memories, and it also sort of taught me about. You know, like working with people in a group and how different people have different wants and different needs and how to be make sure that everyone sort of gets something out of it while still making sure you get something out of it too. And so it was it was uh, yeah. You figure that all that out with the Zoltars? Oh no, yeah. with that with that ninth grade band. No, oh no, yeah, no. Oh, you, you, got, oh, you mean with the Zoltars? Yeah, yeah, you, you got I it mean, all I've, figured out now. Yeah, things you, are good with the Zoltars. Work. I mean it's um I choose people usually just good friends, you know, so it's just like so it's just kind of like a fun thing. It's just like if I get along really well with someone and I'm looking for a new bandmate, I'll ask them if they want to be a part of the band. And if they do, great. And so that – because you guys started with a three, three, three piece. It was actually yeah. first a two piece. It was me two and my piece. best friend. And then he moved to Florida to go to grad school. And then I reorganized, and we tried to figure stuff out. And then eventually we settled on a three piece. <clears throat> and then we added a fourth person eventually. And then the one guy moved to Virginia for school, and then we replaced – uh, and then after he left, we got someone else in bass. So yeah, I think I was reading or that you added Miranda. Like yeah, to I knew her from college. Yeah. yeah, I've known her for like ten years. That's good. so you just go up to say, hey girl, I need a, I need a bass singer uh, or a bass. Was she played bass and I was like, you know, you want to do this? And she's like, well, I don't have that much time, but maybe I'll do it. And and so she ended up doing it, and it was just you know, and and that was that. Yeah, and she kept doing it. We kept doing it, and you know, it's kind of cool. Like every version of the Zoltar, it's just you know people. It, people always just um, some people move away and stuff. Most, but everyone who has left the band is because they've moved away for grad school, <laughs> actually, <laughs> and they've moved to like different states or cities or whatever. And um, but every kind of like variation of the band is kind of like its own thing, where it has like certain parts that that I have like that are special about it for me. So so it's kind of like its own. Each kind of 
lineup is its own sort of experience. Do you do you write a song for each bandmate, like a, a farewell song for each one that leaves? Because uh, <laughs> your I lyrics are pretty dark, I don't write a farewell right? song, like, but I, I, I always dedicate an album to someone after they leave. Yeah. So Richard, the first Zoltar's album, Should I Try Once More, was dedicated to Richard, who was the first member who, who left to go to Florida for grad school. And the second Zoltar's album, Walking Through the Dark, was dedicated to John, who left to Virginia for grad school. So I was listening to both of those on, while I was waiting, and I got to say, Walking Through the Dark is is so far my favorite. I really like what you've done with that record. Yeah, you know? that was the one I worry out of the three Zoltar's albums that came out. I, that was the one I kind of pushed myself the hardest with. And after that, I kind of the third Zoltar's album, which was self titled, I kind of just kind of me taking a breather and just playing straight up garage rock. Because uh, Walking Through the Dark, I pushed myself pretty hard, and it was just like really it was it was, it was pretty taxing. But it's just like trying to see how far you could take something. Um, but yeah, it's uh, there's definitely a, there's certain, there's parts of that album that's like wow I can't believe I <laughs> you know I, I I was willing to push myself that hard so it's always what's up no go ahead no it's always good I try to make every album a little bit its own thing I never want to do the same exact thing twice or whatever so. do you do you let it come naturally whenever you're writing or do you force yourself to like get something out there how does your like how does your writing process happen no that's a really good question um well I'm always writing songs I pick you know the arts are very therapeutic for me so I pick up the guitar all the time and oftentimes you know you write what you're feeling or whatever but at the same time it's what i've learned over the years it's also good sometimes to have like constraints where it's not necessarily about what you're feeling or and it's just like this thing you're working on so for example like um like for example i i've been doing these this this kids project where it's just like it's like these goofy kids I, songs yeah yeah I, it's like ridiculous i'm having it, so much fun with it Bear, right like, yes Bear. <laughs> and so like um, it's just kind of like its own thing where I just um, um, I put these constraints where I tell a story and I, we're working on this, I've been working on this album for so long now this kids album it's it's coming up on a year in February uh, nowhere near as long as your film that you worked on though oh so yeah you, you, you got time you got time <laughs> yeah and so um, and so like uh, oh man yeah and so like it just it's it's kind of nice to put constraints and stuff sometimes because else you. The problem is if I just always write how I'm feeling, I, I get worried that I start repeating myself. Like, for example, like, you know, it's like um, like there was a phase of the Zoltars, like quite odd, quite particularly in the first two official. So when the Zoltars first started out, we were like super goofy garage rock, like sort of like violent fans and like modern lovers, who are both those bands I love so much. And then I though and we released like a seven inch that kind of had that sort of side it was me when it was back in a two-piece and then i got a little bit serious and then i started writing like all these love songs and stuff and i just got to this point where, like man i can't just keep writing love songs <laughs> over and over again it gets to a point where it's just like i mean it's okay to write a love song every once in a while but it's like <laughs> you don't want to just like do the same thing over and over and so um i, I made the solo album where the one constraint i said is like you can't have any love songs on it and and it was nice you know i mean um but it's just like you know, there's certain subject matter, whatever it is, with every musician. Like sometimes, if you if you write how you feel, regardless of it's like there's certain themes that start popping up over and over again, which is fine because every once in a while, like you know, there's a new new perspective you have on something. But at the same time, I think it's important. Like you don't want to get to the point where you start doing stuff over and over again, and and in a way, it, um, you might feel like you're you're not doing something new anymore or something. So how is the Jaybird coming along the album? It's cool. It's yeah. fun. You almost done. Oh man, I always say I'm almost done, but then I find <laughs> new stuff to add. Like it's it's pretty epic. Um, honestly, it's probably the hardest I've worked on an album, even more so than Walking Through the really? Dark. Yeah, because it's just like it's just so ridiculous that I just feel like I could keep making more and more <laughs> ridiculous. 
And um, how many songs you got so far for the album? Oh, it's twelve now. It's just we're mixing it and like adding layers and stuff. And um, it's so fun. And during my break, I've actually been working on writing demos for the next uh Jerry bear album <laughs> it's fun it's it's all fun i like al- albums that like tell stories and stuff so each Jerry bear album kind of tells a story so the first one that i'm working on is about this like this little boy named otis who like goes on this adventure to find this like magical giant jelly bean that's supposed to solve all the world's problems and then he finally finds it but the problem is like there's a catch and there is a catch <laughs> like everyone gets really selfish and no one wants to share the bean and all they start caring about is the bean and they forget like you, you know, you had the important things like in life and stuff. So Otis decides to, to get rid of the bean because it's making people worse, not better. And at first people are, are, uh, are mad at him, but then he knows in his heart, he did the right thing. And then he, he goes home and his parents are there and they threw him a surprise party because he's proud <laughs> of the decision he makes. So it's like really ridiculous, absurd stuff. Is it like kind of the Lord of the Rings? You got to throw it in a fire, like to it get rid of the epic. ring? Yeah, it's pretty uh, yeah. epic. He, he, uh. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. He, <laughs> he breaks the bean into like a thousand parts and like, then like buries them or something. It's just pretty pretty absurd. Uh, that's the only part where it's like, oh, this is maybe too intense for little kids. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> Have, do you remember the '90s, the cartoons? And the I know those, that's, like... what, that's <laughs> a, exactly. And then I start thinking about like shows, like like all these TV shows had such big impacts on me. Like you know, like Rockers Modern Life and Ren and Stimpy and like uh pete and pete and like uh, well, pete and pete wasn't dark cartoon but like a lot of kid shows like pete and pete and eerie indian and like doug and harold and rugrats and they're all like these weird shows and i just had this moment of like man i want to make something like weird kids <laughs> art or something it's just so fun and it almost like sometimes when you're making like stuff for adults you put pressure on yourself to make like high art or something and it's kind of fun like doing no pressure stuff or like let's make this ridiculous <laughs> and absurd and just see where it goes you know who's doing the art for the cover oh i haven't even thought about that oh yet. you haven't gone that far yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'm still working on the album you're gonna so. get some kids do it for like for that's the... not a bad idea yeah yeah that's so. crazy i can't wait to hear that album i'm you very sound really, you sound really excited and i'm getting excited for yeah. this album well after the podcast I, i'm listening to some things in car i can play your song if you want. <laughs> yeah let's, i want to hear it okay after the podcast i'll i'll uh play a song in my car speaking of art covers i know you had um the ones for your cohen so tar- current um albums uh, i know you have a friend who's a photographer zachary hunt yeah right? he did all three yeah three covers how did you meet that dude we actually met we were both counselors at a summer <laughs> camp oh yeah that's right ago. i read that and um wait counseling like were you well, how old were you counseling people oh like i was like i well i taught so he was like he did like took care of the kids after school and i taught like video making classes to the kids it must have been like geez gosh i want to say it was like five or six years ago or something and um we got along really well and we stayed in touch and he's an extremely talented photographer so i'm always honored i always look through his stuff he's shooting and sometimes i just like oh could i use that picture and other times it's just like hey do you want to shoot something for this cover or whatever and um yeah he's awesome incredibly talented it's pretty crazy. So afterwards, you're just like, hey, let's hang out. Let's be friends because you're so awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, it was like, well, yeah. He lives exactly. in Austin, huh? He lives in Austin, yeah. He, it's just like it was one of those things where, so he was after school, and I'd like, after the, I've not after school, after the camp day, like for the kids at aftercare, he would take care of the kids. And I'd like, <laughs> it sounds so cheesy, but I'd like wait the whole day so like it'd be done so I could go and see him and say <laughs> hi and stuff. I don't know. It's just nice. It's, it's nice whenever you're, you know, you don't really – you know, when you work somewhere, you don't necessarily, you don't get to choose who you work with. And, you know, you just kind of have to deal with that. And just everyone tries to be as civil as possible to each other, even though there might be some very different personalities. But whenever you meet someone at work that you like get along really well with, it's like the best thing ever. 
You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like, oh man, I, there's something I'm excited about going in, even though yeah, I might be going sure. in to do something that like I'm not super excited about. Or and it, but it was actually fun. I actually enjoyed making the video, doing the video making classes with the kids a lot. They were, it was, they were, it was, it was really special actually. So you got uh, like a film degree, right? Is that says yeah? That? I studied film in college. Um, I'm in school right now. That was a long time ago. I'm in school right now for public policy, because um, uh, after college I moved to Austin. Um, in OA, the economy crashed like within a month of me moving here. Ooh. Like the stock market went down like twelve hundred points in one day or something ridiculous, and it was just like, and so I wasn't really having much success getting film work. So I started working with kids and doing like teaching and stuff like that. And I got really into education policy, and I decided I wanted to go to school for public policy because uh, I mean the arts are a huge part of my life. But uh, I don't know. I realized um, public policy is also something I care about. So, so have you put the kind of all the film behind you no no I, I still do i still are i mean i do music stuff i do fiction writing and i also do film stuff i'm right now i'm working on a documentary um film the hardest part with film is just raising money to make films so like my my mantra is if you can't do it for the cost of nothing within all art then just d you know don't bother uh, for me don't bother because it's like it's not worth like trying to raise money trying to it's just like do something that costs nothing and just have fun doing it, and it's no pressure. Because once you get like real money, it gets scary. It's like, whoa, am I ever gonna get this money back? What's gonna happen if if I raise money? Like, what's gonna happen to these people's money? Are they gonna get their money back? And so, so if I'm gonna shoot a movie, I want to shoot it for the cost of nothing. And so, I mean, obviously, the problem with that is that like you might have an idea and it might cost money. So if I have an idea that costs money, I just write a book about it instead <laughs> or something. So well, I guess if you raise the money, then it. People who are helping you out should just know not to expect anything in return except yeah, for the final yeah. product. You know? But, yeah, I've been working more sort of just, like, coming up with movie ideas or that don't cost anything or shooting documentaries and stuff like that. So When I saw that you were in, in a film, I got really excited because I just uh, – la this late last year I got in a film. And oh, cool. I more so, like, in the mobile aspect of what your current phone can do with – what you can do with, a, like, a mobile phone. Yeah. So I started getting gear and stuff, and I have, like, a DSLR, which is – can do video, too. Yeah. So I was like – Let's see what I could do with this. Yeah, exactly. Because work what I what, what I have. Because you can take amazing videos just with, with like what's in your pocket. Oh, what's crazy is I, I, I haven't seen this movie, but I really want to see it, and it's supposedly a phenomenal movie. Tangerine. They shot the whole thing with like just with their the phone. five the iPhone five. Yeah, and it's just like whoa. You know what I mean? It's just like and that that's so like empowering. You know what I mean? Where it's just like yeah, and to me that's that's almost like. That's like throwing down the gauntlet. It's like someone can make an awesome movie with their phone. Like, what's, what's and it's the on excuse? Netflix, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I want to check it out. I still haven't gotten around to watching it. I should really check it out before it like leaves Netflix. It's always like very sad for me when like this movie I want to see. I keep putting it off and then it leaves Netflix. And it's like, <laughs> no. Take some time out and just yeah. like watch a part yeah. of it. No, I, I love artists that do that where like they make no excuse and they work with what they have and what's in front of them and they just like this is what I'm doing. Yeah, and you I know, feel like I don't need a three thousand dollar camera or anything. Yeah, I feel like and if anything, constraints can breed creativity. Um, you know, when you um, when you have to work around stuff, that's you could get crafty and come up with ideas. And yeah, I mean, I would love to make a movie where I had some money and like could actually do this and that. But at the end of the day, it's like even with a million dollar budget, you can still make a horrible movie. So it's like whatever it's or it's just it's just like yeah it's just also scary when real money comes into play it's like oh man like, <laughs> do, I, do i believe in my work so much that i'm willing to spend like do you have someone money? do your finances is someone else do yeah, your finances that could be like going to like <laughs> like something else or whatever <laughs> um so but, but yeah the arts you know the arts are i, I sort of you know they're I, I have a lot of fun from them i mean most of my friends in Austin, I've met through the music community, just playing shows and stuff, and it's been a really good social outlet for me. So, um, 
Yeah, for me, it's like kind of hard to make friends out because everyone might look at you like you're trying to get something. Like, I guess whenever you're in a show or in a in a like at work, it's a lot easier to make someone friends because they're yeah. not expecting you to like have a motivation for like something, you know? Yeah. Well, so like my yeah, I mean, I I think because you told me you moved here like about a year, year and a half ago. Year and a half ago, yeah. It's really hard when you move to a new city to ask. Ask me how many friends I've made so far, uh, outside of work. How many? Um. Zero, I think, uh, maybe one. I don't know. Or some cool people you work with, though. A couple, yeah, a few pretty awesome, yeah. awesome, awesome. I feel like the first year in a new city is pretty scary, but something I also I've learned is it's in those scary sort of vulnerable moments that could also be like really important. You know what I mean? Because it's like, um, you know, you could also because it's 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 those moments when you could kind of push yourself and get out of your shell and try new things. You know what I mean? And just sort of like. Uh, I mean, like, you know, you're doing this podcast right now or whatever. Like, it's just you're trying something new, and it's just like I feel like if there's nothing wrong with being very comfortable and cozy and stuff, but if if you're not comfortable and cozy and you're a place where there's a little bit more instability, a little bit more sort of things are up in the air, you could start taking sort of chances with stuff in, in positive ways. I don't mean like chances like, you know, doing dangerous, <laughs> unhealthy things, but, you know, positive ways like, well, well why don't I try to do this thing? I could, you know, and um, just kind of putting yourself out there and stuff. Um, and honestly, you were saying, you know, if I, you know, and if people, you know, there's the, and I think eventually just as things go by, you'll, you'll meet some people that sort of have shared interests as you and stuff. And, you know, people are so mean though. Like I was, like I was reading your, like, well, yeah, I think I hate people. I'm like a, like an introvert and I just hate everyone like instantly. Like you have to like work your way to my, like have trust in me and even like you, I hate people. And which is odd because I'm doing podcasts about people, right? <laughs> uh, how ironic! And but I was reading articles about you, and then the, like the like the people that would just re- review your oh yeah, they would review your music, and they were so mean to you. I was like, oh yeah, the, the one chronicle. Well, they're, they're like they would pick on you so much. Like why did they pick on you so much? Like they they like, describe uh, you, know, you as like well, like you're like oh, can I just say like some of the things I read? I was like one of them described you as like. You got stuffed in a locker, like at a voice, like stuffed in like like you're a nerd, like stuff. Oh yeah. And then another one was like, you sound like you should be plagued with viruses. And I was like, what? They were yeah. I mean, those were uh, those were. Uh, <laughs> I take those. It de- I take those reviews uh, as a badge of pride because it's like in the sense of like they were just saying how how like you know sort of like nerd rock. When I'll 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 I'll, uh, I'll embrace nerd rock because <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm a total nerd, and uh, if anything. Music has allowed me to feel better about being a nerd. <laughs> you know, where it's like when you're younger, it's like, oh, why am I such a nerd? <laughs> you know what I mean? And then it's just like, it's music's allowed me to embrace my nerddom. So no, I don't, I certainly don't. People can Biggest nerd fact about you right now. Oh, man, there's too many. Um, Pick one. Just grab it from the sky. Oh, gosh, I don't know. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to go to nerd camp where I'd just take classes instead of like going to normal <laughs> summer camp. And I loved it. It was what like the highlight of, of my year. <laughs> All sorts of stuff. I take someone like uh, philosophy and neuroscience <laughs> and like Buddhism and all sorts of stuff. And um, when it, I, I do you plan on having kids? You know what? I I've I've wavered back and forth, but I'm in a stage of my life where I would like to have kids right now. Um, you plan on sending them to camp and? Uh, they could do whatever whatever they whatever they want. I'm not going to pressure them. <laughs> but if you know if if that's what they want to do, I certainly will. Uh, would you deter them from being a musician? Because well, I know your dad was a doctor, right? And then h- how did that happen that you kind of went to the opposite direction? Well, my my dad's uh, physician, he, my parents are uh, from another country. They're both immigrants. And so um, 
they wanted to leave the country they were in to uh, have like a more one before they had me, so I could like have more like stable upbringing and stuff. Because uh, the other place they lived in, there was a lot of like political turmoil and stuff. Um, and so, I think my dad's dream job would have been to be like a physicist or something, like a physics professor or something. But uh, he just wanted something where he could, you know, get a job anywhere. And so that's why I went into medicine because you know there's always sort of doctors, whatever country you go to, you could you could find a job and you could be able to you know, to be able to make a living for your family and stuff. What, um, did, he, what did he say whenever you said, Dad, I want to be a musician? Well, I, I never, it was never like that. I never said, I mean, I, you know, I, music's still fun. It's not, I don't see myself as like, that defines me as sort of like, this is my career or anything like that. It's sort of just like a passion of mine. And, um, you know, uh, as far as career-wise, I'm very into something called network science. Um, uh and I, I like I, it's it's kind of like this it's like the mathematical study of networks and like I would really love to do research related to that and stuff and that to me the arts it's sort of like um, I mean perhaps when I was younger I think when I was in college I did want to make a career like being a filmmaker and stuff but sort of being done with college and realizing like the reality of it of how hard it is it's like look I love making art um, but I don't expect anyone to pay me to make art so I should just keep doing it and um, and you know, and uh, and it's been great. You know, it's been it's been a wonderful outlet for me. And you know, a lot of people like that would be their dream to make a living doing art. But for me, I don't know if it would be. To be honest, I mean, if I ever got to that point, that would be great. Don't get me wrong; it'd be fun. But it also puts a lot of pressure yourself, like whether you're able to pay the rent or not, of whether enough people like your art. That's like a scary self situation to put yourself in. So you feel like it would kill like your creativity. I don't know if it would kill it. It becomes it would, a job and so much as I don't know. Less of a love. I don't know. To be honest. Uh, I don't know what to do. I mean, on you know, if the situation arose, yes, yeah, certainly I would like to do it. But it's not one of those things where, like, if you can't do it, you should see it as some sort of, like, defeat or whatever. Because I think whatever, um, you know, you know, whatever, there's so many paths to take. And, and it's important not to be open-minded to, to a lot of them um, and not to sort of uh, feel like um, – like, you know, like you have to have this one thing and that defines whether you feel like you've succeeded or not, you know? So, because, um, you know, I think often about, you know, unfortunately, you know, I guess it's kind of a human tendency. I don't know if it's a human tendency or, I mean, this is the only country I've lived in or if it's like sort of a, a result of sort of our culture or whatever, but, you know, class is like something very like present in like society where it's like, you know, a lot of, people might define themselves by their job or how much, you know, the sort of, you know, their income and stuff. And I, I mean, obviously there, there's so much more to it when define yourself, but that could play a big part in, in how, pe how, you, how some people define themselves and how other people view them. And, you know, the reality of the, the fact of the matter is like, you know, you could um, have a very sort of unprestigious job and be a very decent person. And in a way, in my opinion, you're, you're, succeeding greatly in life because you know what i mean it, you know what i mean it's it's um and whereas perhaps if you know if it were the opposite scenario and you had a great job and you weren't as nice a person i mean it's like you know and i mean there and you know obviously there's people with great jobs who are, who are really nice people and people with un not great jobs who are nice people but it's like but it's like i think the most important thing at the end of the day is you know you sort of make you know um you know, you could sort of, ha you know, how you are as a person and how you act uh, towards other people and stuff is um, is is pretty crucial. And in, in, in my in sort of my definition of, uh, you know, of how you, how you view success, not that you could really judge success or whatever, but as far as like, um, 
you know, have you, do you feel like you found success in life? Uh, I'm a lot. You're like, I'm getting there. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I mean, I was looking back. I mean, I'm honestly, my twenties were my late teens and my twenties were quite turbulent. Um, uh, and, um, I think they are for most or for a lot of people where it's just like, you're trying to like figure out a lot of stuff about yourself and about the world and you don't really know where you fit in to everything. And, you know, obviously there's all these terrible things that happen in the world and all these like horrific headlines. You think like, Oh my God, how, how can I live in this world where like, Oh my God, like, you know, just crazy stuff is happening. And then, you know, and, and, um, and I just, I guess I've gotten to a point where, um, uh, you, 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 so here's actually a really interesting story. Oh, well, I'll, I'll finish it. I'll tell the story after I finish that. But like, I got to a point where, um, where I just proactive about dealing with like, if you know, for example, like if if you're struggling with depression or stuff, like what you know, just not just resign yourself to this is the way it has to be. You know what I mean? And so like, I was looking back when I turned to 2016, and I thought like, wow, 2015 might have been the best year of my adult life because there's a lot of, you know, whereas a lot of things, big realizations happened and I sort of, um, you know, sort of got to a place where I, I felt like I understood things a lot better and I was uh, a lot more open-minded to things than I was in the past. But, you know, I was, when I was younger, I ten tended to be kind of stubborn and not open-minded to just different things. And then you realize, man, there's so many incredible stuff out there if you just try uh, and some things you try and you won't like it, but some things you try and you will like it. I, don't, I mean, I'm not encouraging people to, again, try dangerous <laughs> things or, I mean, like, you know, to, like... Do it. Why not? I'll like, encourage you. <laughs> yeah, but, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, so I actually, when I was going, when I went home, I was going through my books, and I found this book that I read in high school that had, like, a huge impact on me. What was the title? It's called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, and I saw this book again, and I got kind of emotional. I was like, oh, my God, I think I need to read this book again. I started reading it, and it, again, it's had a huge impact on me, and his basic... The basic premise of it is that, you know, suffering is inevitable, and it's how you deal with that suffering to show whether you can sort of transcend, you know, sort of trend, almost as you could like sort of make the most of of the situation you're in, and sort of like any. I don't know, on one level it, that sounds like intuitive, but on another level, the argument he presents is just like this really beautiful sort of. I mean, it's like it, I, I highly, highly recommend reading it. It's it's like one of those game changing books where it like changes the way you see the world and. Um, whenever I'm in a dark place, my mantra, <laughs> my <laughs> mantra is, he has a saying, like, are you worthy of your suffering? In a sense of, like, so he was in the Holocaust, and, like, you know, it's just, like, these people in these, like, horrific situations, and, um, and he, he saw a few people that even with through all, I mean, the majority of people were, like, degraded so much that they became that situation, which is understandable, because it was, like, it was they were stripped of their humanity, but there were a few, a very small select few, who who didn't lose that spirit that was inside of them, and like you know like the Nazis like took everything away from them, but they couldn't take away their spirit no matter what. And there was something so beautiful and sort of transcendent about that. And obviously that's like an extreme situation, but you know you could apply it to to your own life where like there's things that happen that are very unideal, and the way you deal with them. Could, is in those situations, oftentimes, really, it's like if you are able to deal with it, it's almost like you can experience like this true element of like transcendence. Yeah, I feel that's like where you grow whenever you have moments like that. Well, yeah, life. well, exactly. Yeah. And the, the other thing is, that, you know, when we look back, you know, um, when I look back at like things in my life that at the time, I mean, sometimes there's things in your life that are like so negative that it's hard to say see there's like a positive. Like, you know, if something horrific happens, like your kid dies of cancer or like your parents die in a car crash, or, like something horrific happens where it's like, well, you know, like. 
I don't know, you know, it's like that that per had a huge permanent left like a big hole in your life, and like, I, you know, some people they deal with it and recover, and I respect people for doing that. But I mean, in a smaller level, you know, I'm lucky that I've never had like some huge tragedy on that level in my own life. But you know, on smaller setbacks I've had in my life that most people have setbacks in their life. At the time, I might have been devastated, but in the long run, um, those are some of the most important times in my life because it made me sort of like kind of forced me to sort of re-steer the ship. And it's because it's kind of in those hard moments where you realize like, whoa, I have to change something or I have to be open-minded to something new or something and try something that, that I haven't tried before. And oftentimes I look back at those moments that were those, those, those at the time, horrible moments, and they ended up being those things that um, uh, that kind of really sort of shaped me into – to, to, to sort of like finding s some really beautiful things. So, I have a couple of books that do that to me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That kind of changed my life. Which do you mind telling me? Not at all. They're 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 not nonfiction. They're fictions. Okay. Um. So one of them, um, happened because I had a moment in my life where I um totally saw the world differently because my brother died in 2010, and at that point, um, my, I was it was a tough time for me. Yeah. And when my coworker comes to me, she goes. Hey, uh, randomly, I was on a bus one day, and then I look over to my left side, and there was this book sitting beside me. And she goes, I feel like this book came to me at a moment in my life when I needed it because it was called The Shack. The Shack? Mm-hmm. And so she read the She took it with it because someone had just left it on the on the bus, and she yeah. took it with her. And at that point, she had lost her, her dad. Yeah. And, it, and so she was going through a tough time, with, and that book helped her get through it. She, yeah. she, so she bought me a, a copy of the book. Yeah. She goes, I don't know what it's going to do for you, but it helped me a lot through my dad's death um i hope you like it and i read it i was like whoa just loved the book and so it's basically this story of um like a guy who lost his daughter yeah. and what he, and everything that happens afterwards and in it's really fucking good and then another one had nothing to do with death but more about how like, how life works yeah it's called the alchemist okay yeah, yeah, yeah. and i i read that and at that point i read that i was like holy fuck. it's like it just the universe just made sense to me now i was like yeah Man, these books are fucking amazing. No matter, like, if I lose, I always have to have a copy on me. Yeah, I read like, that the, the, that one I read a while ago. I really enjoyed it, The Alchemist. I was like, I was actually visiting some family from the other country, and I, I had a, I bought a copy there, and I read it, and it was. I just remember, like, it was. It's, I always had like a soft spot for like, sort of like magical tales and stuff. <laughs> like, I was really into like the Arthurian legends as a kid and stuff. <laughs> the so, nerdy, like, yeah. Just kinda, like, so just like had that the alchemist had that moment of that like beauty and stuff. So have you? Um, are you into cosplay? Oh, is that when you like dress up and stuff? Yeah, I haven't done it, okay. but I, I love that people do it. So uh, you said Ar Arthur, Arthur. So it, it kind of made me think about it. So there's this this anime that I really love, and it's called Fate Stay Night. And there is a version of Arthur, but she's a woman in there. So it's, it's like Arturia, I think her name is okay. in there. And so she's basically like the um, the female version of Arthur. And um, I've always wanted to go like on Halloween and dressed up as her. Do um, it. I'm gonna. I'm, it's, it's an intense costume though. I'm gonna write down. I'm just taking a piece. Back. I'm gonna write down that book you said, Jack. I've never heard of it. Do yeah, you know it's, it's by. Um, I don't, but I'm pretty sure you can Google it, and it's okay. uh, pretty easy to find. Cool. Um. I'd recommend it. It's like super. It's not even like a crazy like long read. It's super super easy. I I will say I don't know how emotional you get, um, but I have turned into like a real kind of like a like a a bitch basically. I cried like three times in that book. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh -huh. No, it's all good. I'll I'll read it when I'm in that sort of mood. No, so I know you're also like really into into movies a lot, right? What are a couple oh, of your yeah, what, what are your couple of favorite movies that you're like Ooh, into? That's a hard one. Um, but. Gosh, 
it's hard because different movies kind of strike you at different times in your life. Uh, the one that always sticks with me, I really like Badlands by Terrence Malick. Uh, gosh, there's so many. When I was younger, I was obsessed with Blade Runner. When I was like a teenager, I was completely obsessed with it. Um, uh, I like documentaries a lot too. There was a – gosh, what was that one? Uh, Have you seen the one where – like I, I literally went to Straight Natural Products. It's called um, – it was on Netflix and it was like – I think it was called The Cost of Something. I don't know what it's called. But it's basically a documentary of, of um, all the chemicals that people, like the companies put in their products and how they connect it to cancer, breast cancer, all kinds of cancer, and all these different kinds of things. I, I literally threw out all my products and bought 100 like organic natural <laughs> products that night. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think I've seen that one. Don't if you don't want to start yeah, paying like too. ten bucks for deodorant, don't yeah, watch yeah, it. All right, all right, <laughs> I'll get scared. <laughs> I saw this movie called Print the Legend. It was a recent documentary. It was so good. It was about like these guys, these people who are starting these like three D printing companies and like the stories behind them. It was pretty phenomenal. Um, I really liked it a lot. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, movies. Movies are powerful. Um, I love movies. So I was as I was going through your um the, the um way people were describing your your music I was thinking man I wonder what if he hates any of these words that they the way they describe his music is there any like particular descriptions that you hate whenever you read them that describe Zotar No not really you know like, people, whenever, like whenever you put art out there you know people are going to form their impression of it um and so you know it's kind of like it's kind of scary um, whenever you make something, when you're at the point where you start showing people, because it's like, it's, you know, it's kind of a natural human tendency. It's like, well, if people hate it, it's a terrible feeling. You know <laughs> what I mean? And it's just like, and you kind of get to that point. This is what life. I do when everybody hate my stuff. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I like, don't care. Well, it's just like, you get to that point in your life. You know what? It's like, um, it's actually a really important lesson because um, vulnerability is one of the scariest things ever. You know what I mean? And it's just, but it's so important because, um, a lot of the things in life that have the most, you know, greatest thing, potential greatest things happen, you have to have that le level of vulnerability, whether it be romance or whether it be uh, anything in life, whether it be the sort of like, look, you have to put yourself in a situation where you don't know what could happen and it's scary, but if something good happens, it could be really good, you know what I mean? And, um, and so for me, you know, with music, when it started, I was like, get so like, I used to like get, you know, I mean, still, I mean, every time before like an album comes out, I'll get really nervous and anxious. And like when people first hear it, I'll like, I'll get, you know, I'll get like super anxious. <laughs> and then it's like at the end of the day, you know, at the end, you know, it, but it, it got way easier. And it's also even like with playing shows, it's kind of that element too, where it's just like, man, what happens if like people. You get nervous? Oh, I used to, not as much anymore. I mean, every once in a while still, but like it's just, I've done it, I've played so many shows now that it's not as like. I mean, I used to get, like, panic attacks, though. Did like, you ever throw up? No, but, like, I extremely nervous. I used to get extremely nervous, like, early on when the Zoltar started. I don't know, actually, if I got panic attacks, but I would get extremely anxious. And it was good, though, because it forced me to do this thing. You know, I'm a very introverted person. And it was like, whoa, this is, like, the scary thing. You're, you're making this weird music that, like, who <laughs> knows what people are going to think about it. And um, some people hated it, and some people were like, whoa, this is cool. You know what I mean? And then... And, uh, I mean, you know, it just, uh, so it taught me a very important lesson in like not being so afraid of, um, you know, you just got to do it and just, uh, you know, if, if people aren't into it, that's okay. You know, it's, uh, some people might be into it. Some people might not. And at the end of the day, you know, um, 
it's it's understandable to take it a little personally, but at the same time, uh, you know, don't take it. There's more important things than than whether someone likes your art or not. You know what I mean? There's yeah, more important sure. things in life than that. Although it's totally understandable if you know if you are sensitive to stuff like that too, though. How did it feel to get your first album in your hands whenever you got that in the mail? It was cool. Yeah, yeah. it was cool. Do you have do you have like um them framed up on your wall just like no no, no why not oh I don't know <laughs> how but. did it, how did your collage um your collage work out for the uh, the thirty test albums that you were doing did you end up doing those all oh the test pressings yeah yeah that was so much fun what happened was the record label there were some things with the the pressing plant the pr so vinyls like it always has delays because you know vinyl there's a resurgence but there's not enough pressing plants so there's always these delays. And it looked like we came up with the release party and it looked like it wasn't going to get there on time. It ended up getting there the evening of. So like an oh. hour or two before the show, it arrived <laughs> in my place. And I quickly like Shoot. packed it. But we, I had a backup plan, which I'd do sell these like test pressings because you could order a bunch of test pressings. And uh, my girlfriend at the time, uh, who uh, now lives in New Orleans because she got a new job. So, uh, but uh, she uh, at the time. Are you going to New Orleans? I don't know. I was thinking. I I still like her a lot. It was just it ended just because simply because she moved and uh. we we're just like, oh, should we continue this or, and we just decided not to do long distance. But we still keep in touch and we're very good friends. Long distance is horrible. I was talking to someone like uh, another um, friend of mine who's in a band Vanilla Sugar. She lives in Houston. Yeah. And her partner lives in California. Yeah. And so, have you ever heard of like technology like to help keep? Um, yeah, like I mean, people. Some people can do it. I mean, we were dating for like like five or six months. So it wasn't like we were together for years. There were, it's just like, okay, we should maybe try long distance, but we were dating for like five or six months, but she, she had an artistic side and we worked on all these collages. We, I went to the half price books and got these like 25 cent comic books. You could get like bargain bin. I bought like, I think like, oh gosh, I must've bought like 30 of them. Yeah, probably 30. And cause I maybe like one for each thing. And we made a collage and we had so much fun. We were cutting it up and gluing it. And it was like, it also made this like really kind of personal element to it of sort of like, well, like everyone who gets one of these, like I'm giving them a, sort of a piece of myself. You know what I mean? It's just like, so it, it felt like a very special transaction. And I almost felt like afraid giving it away because <laughs> I like worked hard, so hard on all of them. But, but I also felt like whoever got them, like it was, it, it made it kind of the transaction more special. So no, for sure. I, I would love to have gotten one of those albums if like I had known about you back then. Cause yeah, I feel like, it was cool. yeah, it just, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's like your own special piece of art that you're given. It's yeah. like no one has it. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. unique it cool. to itself. Yeah, it was so fun. So if you ever decide you want to go back and uh, like talk to this chick, so they make, I don't know if you've ever heard it, but they make a couple of things that you can do to help like with a distance with your partner. So oh, they yeah. make like, um, they make like a bracelet okay. that like similar to the Apple one where you can, the taptics, you know, where you can feel it like it like vibrates or something like that. Okay. And, and then there's also like this, um, this bra or as a shirt, one or the other, I think it's bra. It'll hug you, like if you want to hug your girlfriend. It'll give her the sense of like a hug. Whoa, that's so intense. Yeah. And then there is also like a pillow that lights up whenever she's asleep. So like if you're asleep and she's asleep, then the pillow lights up, and you know that you're both asleep at the same time. So like, yeah, it's like so like futuristic. Yeah, it's crazy. Like you can send little notes or little like little things. It's pretty insane. And I was like, oh, that's pretty awesome. I kind of want to get that bracelet. It's pretty cool. I guess a lot of couples like just big thing. Like I guess like FaceTime makes a difference, so they could like see each other and stuff. But yeah, I mean, New Orleans is a cool city, so I was definitely, when she left, I was contemplating it, but I was like, ah, oh, you know, I'm still in school right now, far. so. Uh, yeah, and it's actually, so sometimes, even after um, uh, the relationship ended, we'd just, you know, we'd, we'd hang out, meet up, just meet up and touch base, grab coffee or something when she, if she decided to stop in town or something. What's the cheesiest line you give the chick whenever you? Oh, man, I don't know. I don't, I try not to give too many lines, because <laughs> it would probably be like. Where do you go to pick up a girl? Oh man, 
Uh, I don't. I guess I don't really pick up <laughs> ladies. Okay, let me rephrase that. How do you meet like a like a potential like if you're interested in someone? Where do you go to meet somebody? Just kind of like. Mm, I don't know. I guess it depends what stage of my life uh, I was in. Uh, a lot of stage of my life is just like kind of just meeting people through people and stuff. Uh, sometimes as I've become like more sort of open-minded, sort of just like putting myself in new situations and sort of like getting out of your circle and getting out of your comfort zone and finding people. I mean, on one level, there's like this principle that, you know, humans are attracted to like, and not only, I don't mean even, even mean like romantically attracted, I just mean attraction in general. Like you, you want to be around people who are similar to you. Uh, and so do you go like to comic books and stuff and you kind of start out <laughs> like no the, but so like it's like, like um but at the same time it's good to sort of sometimes meet people who, who aren't as similar to you too because you could kind of they could give you appreciation for new things in life that you weren't previously um sort of uh sort of ever previously gave a chance to you know um so yeah i don't know yeah it's hard i don't know like i guess there's no um uh, no, no right answer to those sort of things, though. So I know you've been in Austin for a while because you started in 2010. So like, I, uh, yeah, I moved here in uh, August 2008. Oh wow, so you've been here even longer than I thought. Yeah. So um, what are your favorite spots to hit up in Austin? Uh, God, just anything. My like, house, my kitchen, <laughs> like oh, like, like your just kitchen. Like places to, like places to eat or just or just like in general. Like where do you like to chill? Mm, well, gosh. Like I really love, um, I like, oh. like um, Waterloo Records is a really pretty cool spot. Yeah, or like, all the um, record stores are great. Hotel Vegas is pretty cool. Yeah, all the the the, the venues to, are also great too, and there's some great restaurants to eat, and there's also some natural outside stuff. Like there's there's some beautiful parks and stuff. Um, I really love Austin, so it's like there's there's so much here, and I feel like even though I've lived here for a while, there's like so much I still haven't even explored. You know? No, yeah, it's crazy. I haven't even like touch the surface of yeah. it so whenever you're having a stressful day and, and like you say you like what what do you do to like to relax or like kind of center yourself um well i well, sleep <laughs> no no i've well i've been more proactive about dealing with that in a healthier way <laughs> so i i try to exercise uh i hope that that helps with alzheimer's by the way yeah incorporating exercise and my that's been the like both like cardio cardio and like uh anaerobic stuff like weights and push-ups and that that sort of stuff too but i've also been something that's really hard but i've been trying to do is is also like meditate a little bit just to kind of it's really hard to do to to like put your mind and just try to think of nothing for like just even like five or ten minutes but it can be really calming um and uh yeah so i know that you were also doing a stay for like um and beer land how did yeah, that turn, how did that turn out set. It was fun. It was really intimate. It was it was kind of you know I was talking we were talking earlier about vulnerability, and I've been trying different music projects to kind of all sorts of music projects besides all stars just to kind of um to try different things and put myself in situations that aren't perhaps as comfortable you know because all stars I've been doing for so long so it's like you know it's not as scary for me because like oh we'll play a show I know what's gonna happen this that but it's kind of sometimes fun to just be like okay I'm gonna put myself in a new situation so it's kind of keeping that vulnerability going and so with the the beer line it was just me and my guitar and it was kind of scary and I did it and I did it and I was just like just like okay it's, it's scary but it's good it's good to be kind of scared a little bit in a healthy way sometimes have you toured yet with Jerry Bear oh no but no. I I would oh, love to should. one day once the album comes out we'll see what happens 
Yeah. What places would you hit with that? Like, oh, I don't even know. I'm down for anything. I wouldn't schools. even know either. I like. mean, <laughs> I'm down for whatever. I just think it would be so much fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe one day. All right, Jared. So I don't want to keep you too long because I know you have to go back and study and stuff. <laughs> but um, can you just give us like um, some your sites where we can reach you at? Like, if throw us out there, like any of your socials. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess the website, uh, the Zoltars.com is like where you could find all the relevant information. Uh, we don't have a Twitter or an Instagram or anything. We do have a, a Facebook that you I don't have an Instagram. No, nah, I have an Instagram. I know social media. <laughs> I just, I, I, it's just, it's, it's just, uh, I, I don't, I'm not too good about social media, but we do have a Facebook and I'll use that to like post like before a show and stuff. But the main thing is just the website is to try and keep everything updated. Uh, yeah. And if you live in Austin, uh, we, we play shows all the time. So come check us out and have a good time. And, um, Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for um, coming to speak with me today. Uh, oh, it was thanks, a pleasure. Yeah, you're me. pretty cool and awesome. So I have to check out like all your socials and stuff and see more. Of your, I've never seen you playing live, so oh, I'm yeah, gonna have to check out. out. Come on out. When's yeah. the next time you're playing live? Uh, well, I'm playing with this other band. I play lead guitar in this band called Caroline Says, and they're playing Jan- Friday, January 29th in the evening at Beerland. My friend is actually doing a, a residency at Beerland now. His name's Steven Spasina. And we're playing with him when he's doing oh, the residency. Cool. So I think we'll probably go on at like seven or eight or something. What about the Zoltars? Are y'all playing? Zoltars, anyway? our next show is February fifth at Hotel Vegas. We're playing with this awesome, awesome band that we met on tour called that we played with on tour on our last tour. They called Faux Ferocious, and uh, I think that's a Friday night, Friday, February fifth. So I'm very, very excited about that. Awesome! I can't wait to like see you guys live. That'd be so yeah, so it'd be awesome. fun. All right, well, uh, thank you so much, Jerry. Right? Of course. All right, later.